This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio, wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Hi again, everybody. Come on in. It's the broadcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Another edition of the Black and Blue Report is yours on this Thursday. Greetings from our Smoothie King Center studios in downtown New Orleans. We've got basketball tonight and uh, nationally televised basketball is that. The Pelicans welcome in the Oklahoma City Thunder. And they'll look to go for their third win coming out of the All-Star break. And the Thunder are coming off of a win last night. And uh, they continue to knock on the door of the powers of the Western Conference, Golden State and San Antonio, both winners again last night. Uh, so it doesn't get any easier for the Pelicans after that loss against uh, the Washington Wizards the other night. But they'll go after the Thunder as Oklahoma City makes their first visit to New Orleans this season. I think fans will be excited about having Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant in the building. Gosh, their their line last night was almost identical. They're, they're quite the one-two punch, and uh, both are healthy and ready to go for the Thunder tonight. Uh, the Pelicans owe the Thunder a thing or two, uh, and as a matter of fact, the last meeting between the two teams did not go so well. So we'll see how it plays out tonight. Uh, as the uh, two teams will tip off at 7 p.m. Uh, coverage on the Pelicans radio network, of course. Uh, but then the television side is, uh, as we mentioned, national. TNT has the basketball game t- uh, this evening as a part of their doubleheader. And we're, uh, we're grateful to have Greg Anthony as our guest today on the Black and Blue Report. He'll be uh, one of the analysts for TNT tonight. He's also frequently an analyst on NBA TV, and he's kind enough to return to our show here today. Also, our focus today is the NFL Scouting Combine. It continues up in Indianapolis. And we'll visit with Nick Underhill, who covers the Saints for the advocate, he, uh, he is on the ground up there and uh, will be joining us today to give us a, a couple of thoughts about uh, how he goes about covering the uh, scouting combine and uh, perhaps uh, some of his observations or thoughts as to what the Saints may be looking to accomplish up at Indy this week. So good stuff for you as we uh, get through this Thursday. We'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll start our conversation up with Nick Underhill and uh, check in with the combine in Indianapolis. Join your New Orleans Pelicans on Saturday, February 27th at 6 p.m. at the Smoothie King Center as the Minnesota Timberwolves tip off against your New Orleans Pelicans. Come out and celebrate Pierre's Mascot Party, where kids can get autographs and pictures taken with some of their favorite NBA mascots. Tickets start as low as $21, so don't miss out on any of the fun. And call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your tickets today. Power outages turn your world upside down. You need to know when your power will come back on, and you want to know what happened. The fastest way to stay informed? Entergy text alerts. You'll get prompt updates on when your power will be restored and on what happened. You can even send a text to be sure your outage is being repaired. When the power is out, what's faster than calling? Texting. Sign up today at EntergyText.com. That's the power of people. Entergy. We call it No Appointment Radio. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Nick Underhill covers the Saints for the Advocate and the New Orleans Advocate, and uh, he's on the ground in Indianapolis at the NFL Scouting Combine. 
He had an interesting angle in the paper this morning. I thought it was pretty good, and he's kind enough to join us here from Indianapolis. Uh, Nick, you wrote earlier today about the um, the interview process, one of the major um, facets of the NFL scouting combine, and I, I don't want to say you threw a bunch of water on it, but you did kind of enlighten <laughs> us about what that process has become. Yeah, I kind of found it eye-opening, too, that they put so much value on these interviews, and you hear people talking about them all the time, and a lot of the uh, personnel for other teams, coaches, general managers, uh, player personnel people, they uh, discussed how, how the whole thing's kind of become too polished. The players know how to answer every question. They're ready for every question. And, you know, that, that's what they should do. Their agent should prepare them for that process. And the players, if they're smart, they should know how to answer the questions they're going to face. But now some teams are, are trying to throw more curveballs and get them off their toes and, kind of just cut through some of the polish and try to get to the truth of who these people really are as, as individuals. Nick, in what ways are the teams trying to be more creative or stay one step ahead of the agents and the players? Um, and, and in doing so, how do they avoid stepping over the line? You know, we hear about some of the questions asked and you're like, man, that's kind of inappropriate. But I also see what they're trying to do. I mean, what's the, what's the dance here, I guess? Well, I mean, Bruce Arian said that he asked players questions that he would probably get time for, and he didn't want to share the details of those. But you're definitely right. You you hear some things about guys asking things that are totally out of left field, and sometimes those things get reported, and it doesn't reflect favorably on the teams. But, I mean, if I'm a player and somebody asks me something out of left field, I'm, I'm not telling anybody because I don't want to be the guy that, that pulled on a team because that could be viewed negatively other places. But – I think you do have to toe that line and not get inappropriate, but maybe get off beat to kind of just shake things up a little bit. How heavy do you think the team that you cover, the Saints, um, what kind of a stock do they place in the interview as opposed to the measurables physically that come out of the combine? I, I think a lot. I mean, they, they met with Noah Spence, the uh, pass rusher, who has some, some questions at the combine. They took him out to lunch. I was told by a source. So I think that they're doing their homework and they need to figure out who these guys are. And as we all know, Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis care a lot about character. They want the right guys in their locker room. And the only way to find out who the right guys are is to really sit down and talk to them and see what they're about. So I think they definitely place more value in that than, than the scouting numbers and everything. The numbers matter. Mickey Loomis here last year, he talked about how Toronto Armstead was a guy that performed really well, as we all know. And, that caused them to go back and do more homework and take a closer look at them. But I think for the most part, as long as players are performing in their expected range, they take that into account. But I don't think the Saints are the kind of team, like say the Raiders under Al Davis, that are just drafting guys off measurables and numbers. Because if you go about things that way, you're not really going to build a very good team. You're just going to have a lot of athletes. and Maybe the pieces don't fit together as expected. So I think the Saints put more value in tape, and I think the interview process is very important too. You know, Jeff Ireland was uh, was with us the other day, and Nick, he talked about the fact that, look, they already have game film on most of these guys, if not all of them, uh, and, and that's what you want to look at them in a, in a, in a football lens. Uh, but at the same time, the, the Senior Bowl is a part of this process. The scouting combine is certainly a part of this process. If, if, you, were have to, if you were in a front office, I mean, Nick, how would you rank what these different events in the offseason mean in the draft process, uh, you know, each of them brings something to the table, but I'd be curious as to how you would rank them. 
that's tough to say. I mean, definitely the game film for me would be the most important thing. At the end of the day, you're, you're still drafting football players, and they got to go out and they got to perform well. So I guess the Senior Bowl would kind of play into that too, because you know you get those practices, you get to watch guys go against each other. It's really probably the only thing during the, the scouting process where a coaching staff or scouts can sit down and look at a guy and kind of get an idea for how he would actually fit in to their program. I think the combine is valuable because you do get that the interview process and then also the medical. So if you're looking at a guy like Jalen Smith who tore up his knee or Miles Jack who is also battling a knee injury, assuming that they're willing to go through the medical check at this point and not wait until the recheck, that's the first time that you're going to find out anything about their health and that just every guy, you, you get a look at their health. So I think on those things it's important, but I think the drills matter and the running. I think all that matters, but I don't think it matters maybe as much as, you know, the people outside the media and everything plays it up. It's just as long as they perform as expected and it looks like they took the process seriously and they're prepared for it and they do well and it matches up with what you have on film, I I think that's all kind of downgraded by your smarter teams. Yeah, interesting. Um, Let me ask you this question. And this, you know, this may be the trick of the trade or whatever, but – uh, as you know, the Saints, and they're not alone, uh, these teams are trying to keep as much as they can close to the vest, especially players that they're interested in, uh, position groups that they're particularly um, keeping an eye on. Um, with that being said, how do you, Nick, and others uh, in your eyes, um, try and figure out, okay, the Saints are interested in, in so-and-so, or the Saints have this kind of need. How do you go about that process of figuring out and, and, and letting fans know what, what you're thinking about who the targets might be? Well, I, I just kind of try to watch the team and see where I see holes and try to figure out what guys would fit and what traits would fit. And you try to talk to people and try to find out who they're talking to and, and things of that nature. But we obviously don't do a very good job because they drafted Andrews Pete last year. And I can't remember anybody saying they were going to take a tackle or mentioning Pete's name. So the Saints mm-hmm. do a very good job of keeping that close to the chest. So we try, but it's it's a lot of guesswork. And, you know, I, I don't know how much is – we try to be accurate, and I don't put things out there that I don't think are true, but there's so much misinformation this time of year. It's really, really hard to get a read on what's actually going to yeah, happen. Yeah, it is. It's very difficult and inexact science to say the least. But with that being said, I will go ahead and ask anyway, um, who are some – who are some names that if fans wanted to tune into the NFL Network and watch guys run up and down and push some weights and jump real high and everything else? Uh, give me some. Give me the uh, Nick Underhill primer on on perhaps who Saints fans might want to keep an eye on. Well, I don't think they're going to do much here. I mentioned them before, Jalen Smith and Miles Jack. I think at the weak side linebacker position, they're both very good players. And if their medicals check out and they aren't going to miss a ton of time, they could be people that the Saints could look at. Uh, Smith, he, he plays at the weak side, but he also has pass rush ability, so he could move over to the strong side if Danell Ellerby stays healthy and they want to get both those guys on the field. So I think he'd be a really good fit. But it all comes down to how his niche checks out. Uh, I like Noah Spence a lot. As we all know, they, they could use some more pass rush. Then pretty much any defensive tackle, I think you could keep an eye on Sheldon Rankins. Uh, if they decide to wait because that position's so deep and maybe go in the second round or the third round, I like uh, – Chris Jones out of Mississippi State, I think he's – if you watch him, he just kind of looks like a Saints player, if that makes sense. I, I just I, – I think he would fit well for them. But, I mean, those are the spots that, that I would keep an eye on. And 
I don't know how badly they need a receiver because they do a very good job of just developing guys. They got Coleman and Snead, but if somebody were to not be on the team next year, the depth there would be kind of thin. So I think that maybe in the middle rounds, you know, any of the receivers in that range. And then also tight ends just because they have so many free agents available. Uh, Cheryl Adams out of South Carolina is a guy that I thought played pretty well at the senior bowl, and he could be a good mid-round pick. Nick, you mentioned some of the upfront defensive guys. Uh, the Saints may get lucky here because it sure sounds like it's pretty deep at those positions. Yeah, that, that seems to be the strength of the draft. Uh, a lot of people are, are saying, you know, that position, there's probably 10, 12 very good players that, that could have first or second round grades. And with, with that much depth, a lot of teams might approach the draft thinking they can get one later. So some of those players could fall further than maybe they, they would if there weren't so many players. So there could be really good value to have it in, you know, the second, third, fourth round. Let me ask you this, Nick. Is it fun covering the NFL scouting combine or is it a necessary evil? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're going to ask me that. I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, it's, it's good to be able to kind of talk to any coach or GM, uh, the whole league's here. So if there's people you want to talk to, you can rub elbows with people. It's just good to put faces and names of people maybe you talk to on the phone but don't see in person a lot. Uh, but it's a lot of waiting around, you know, so it, it can be, it can be, there can be lulls. It can be kind of boring, but I, I think it's, it's valuable to cover. It's just like anything in journalism, half of your time is just spent standing in a room waiting for something to happen. Yeah. I think John DeShazer said something about that yesterday too. Um, <laughs> Nick, uh, when you're, when you're not waiting around uh, or in a press conference, do you, do you, are you able to go out and watch them uh, on the field go through the routine? Uh, unfortunately not. I mean, the, the pro football writers association set something up, like they get like five people in, but it's hard to get on that list. So you could maybe go in and see one set of drills, but we're pretty much watching on TV. Like everybody else, it's just, we're in this room and all the prospects, coaches, GMs come in there at different times when we talk to them. And then there's TVs all over that we can look up at to keep track of what's going on. Okay. Fair enough. Well, um, I understand that it's uh, kind of cold there in Indianapolis. I hope that you'll stay warm there inside uh, that beautiful stadium. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for being with us today, that's for sure. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Hey, uh, Nick, real quick, if folks want to follow you on Twitter, if they haven't done so already, how, how's the best way to do it? I'm at Nick underscore Underhill. Easy enough. Nick Underhill from The Advocate here from the NFL Scouting Combine. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. Awesome hot rods, wild cars, trucks, and motorcycles. America's high rod tradition is back in New Orleans. The O'Reilly Auto Parts World of Wheels. February 26th through 28th at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. On Friday, meet WWE superstar Daniel Bryan. Saturday, is Peyton List from Disney's Jesse. On Sunday, see Catherine Bach, Daisy Duke from the Dukes of Hazzard. The O'Reilly Auto Parts World of Wheels. This weekend at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Discount tickets at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Part of the Summit Racing Equipment Show Car Series. See worldofwheels.com for more info. 
It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. All right, let's continue on this Thursday. Great conversations is what we like to do here. And, of course, we've got a good one back with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Greg Anthony with us uh, from NBA TV and the NBA on TNT. He's in New Orleans uh, today. He is a part of the TNT broadcast tonight of the Pelicans and the Thunder. Greg, good to have you back. My pleasure. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, I understand you're just out of a production meeting where I'm I'm sure you've discussed all the pertinent storylines for tonight's game. Which ones <laughs> stick out most when you think of these two teams? <laughs> uh, well, listen, uh, I, I think starting with Oklahoma City, you know, they, they've kind of flown under the radar. I mean, it's hard to do when you look at the record that they have, but because of the brilliance of Golden State and really San Antonio, uh, you know, there's not a lot being discussed about them yet. But uh, as we get closer uh, to the postseason, I think I think they're going to become a, a little bit more relevant in, in, in the eyes of the basketball world. Uh, and, and if you look at it from New Orleans' standpoint, obviously the disappointment, uh, high expectations coming in after making the postseason a season ago, and the rash of injuries. And, you know, Anthony Davis obviously getting off to a slow start, and, and the new system being implemented by. Alvin Gentry hasn't necessarily taken hold as of yet. And, uh, you know, you know, the playoff race, but not likely that they're going to be a part of the postseason. The questions are, are what next? You know, what direction do we head in? What moves are we going to have to make to be able to elevate this team uh, to a point where they can be a consistent performer in the postseason? Greg, let's stay on the Pelicans there for a moment. You know, when you look at the team right now, you know, obviously Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday, that looks right. Uh, Ryan Anderson to some respects. Um, but when you're looking at the Pelicans, and I know you've been reviewing them here, um, what doesn't look right about New Orleans right now? Woo, uh, well, in, in fairness, it's, it's difficult when you don't have guys in the position of strength. And by that, I mean, because of the injury, there's what's called a domino effect. And now you're having to ask guys to do things that maybe they're not comfortable doing. Uh, so th- that's a lot of what's, what's happened with this group. Um, and I also think just some of how they play has to change. I mean, just when I look at them and I look at the, the evolution of the league, I think when you're looking at your team, the first thing, if you're trying to win, you want to say, okay, what are the best teams doing and how can we compete against them? And then you build a roster accordingly. Uh, and I think because we don't have a league now that's dominated by centers, I mean, if you think about it, we, we probably only have one center in the NBA that's considered the first option. That's probably DeMarcus Cousins. And, and they're not in the postseason. So mm-hmm. I would First and foremost, say, you know, Anthony Davis is probably, and it's, I hate to use the play on words, but I would play at the center position because he's not going to have to guard guys that are getting 30 touches a game with their back to the basket. Um, and he's going to create matchup nightmares for guys who aren't comfortable playing in space and who don't run the floor the way he does. Um, and so that, that's one thing I think that moving forward, I, I'm trying to build a roster that's going to allow me to take advantage of his abilities and create the most stress on the opposing defenses. I think it starts there. Obviously, perimeter shooting and passing, uh, when I watch them, that's another area that I think has to be improved. I mean, look, Ryan Anderson is an excellent 
three-point shooter. We, we know that. But the ball movement really struggles for New Orleans. And some of it has to do with all these injuries. You know, Eric Gordon not being out there. But they, they're not a crisp ball-moving team. And, again, I go back to the best teams in the league. That's what they do well. They move the basketball. They put pressure on your defense in the half court. That, that's an area where I'm looking to try to improve that roster to get guys in who have a little better understanding of the importance of ball movement. And so those are areas that I, I'm looking at as I'm trying to improve this roster around Anthony Davis. You know, Davis Gregg has 59 points and 20 rebounds on Sunday at Detroit and then turns around and gets nine points on nine shots, has 20 more rebounds against Washington, D.C. Uh, on Wednesday yeah, or Tuesday, rather. Uh, Greg, is that just the way the league goes? Is that is that symptomatic of teams that really do a great job of scouting and preparing for opponents? Uh, how did you read that? No, not at all. In fact, we had that game on fan night. And Chris Weber, mm-hmm. who's here tonight, he and I are doing the game tonight. We, we talked about it. He brought the point up. They had – we talked about multiple – to get the ball, and they didn't pull the trigger. They didn't, they didn't make the right decision. They didn't make it a point of emphasis. It, it, and look, taking nothing away from the Wizards, but the Wizards wanted to work with defensive – you know, all of a sudden they became this defensive juggernaut overnight – there were a lot of missed opportunities by New Orleans to get him good looks. And they had him. They were guarding him with, with uh, Jared Dudley for the majority of the game. Jared Dudley, 6'5". How many 6'5 guys? What 6'5 guys in this league have you seen be effective at guarding Anthony Davis when he's uh, yeah, you know, I know. an integral part of the offense? So uh, and that was as much the Pelicans' fault for him not being involved uh, as I want to give credit to the Wizards because they just did a poor job of getting him opportunities and getting him touches over the course of that game. Now what happens too is, and, and this is a case where it wasn't like they were down 30 early in the game. You know, I always use the analogy of football. You're a great running team. Well, you can take a running back out the game if you go up three, four scores. Because now i got to change my game plan. Right. They didn't have to get away from Anthony Davis. They just, for whatever reason, didn't have enough discipline or focus in that game to keep him involved. And I'm sure Alvin Gentry, and listen, Stevie Wonder could have seen that. That they didn't do a good enough job. And I'm sure that's something that he's emphasized and talked about yesterday and continue to address today as they get ready for a very good Oklahoma City team. Yeah, if I know Coach, he'll be on that. Um, hey, when folks watch the game tonight on TNT, Greg, with you and Webb uh, and, and Kevin Harlan, um, with regard to the Oklahoma City Thunder, you know, it's obvious the conversation starts with Westbrook and Durant. Um, but can you speak to maybe the depth that they have or or what else makes them a team that possibly uh, could pull a surprise in April and May? Well, I, I wouldn't say even a surprise. I, I just think that they have – listen, anytime you take the floor and you can make the argument we're going to have the two best players on the floor, that in and of itself puts you in a position that has success. Uh, but what's really encouraging, I think, is what Billy Donovan's been able to do is, is he's gotten his best players to trust their teammates more. And, and while they're on this journey of becoming better, you know, whether it's Ennis Canner, uh, Deion Waiter, uh, Stephen Adams, uh, all these guys that as they are becoming 
better basketball players, those two left players are trusting them because ultimately that's what's going to be the difference. It, it's, it's for me never been in most basketball, it's never an issue or been an issue as to whether or not those two guys are good enough to win it all. The question is, is the supporting cast good enough? And and that's what this season's about, really, for Ben Forty Dollars. They're an improved offensive team from a season ago, and they're an improved defensive team from a season ago. Now, granted, you didn't have Kevin Durant down the stretch. That you know that that plays a role, but all those other areas have improved, and so I think that's why they gotta have some optimism uh, about the postseason. And, and there's still time for those guys to even get better, and I think that's gotta happen if they're going to, you know, ultimately have a chance to to knock off San Antonio uh, and Golden State. But they're going to be there. Uh, I've been impressed with them this season, uh, almost as impressive as what we've seen out of Golden State and San Antonio. They're kind of flying on the radar, which probably benefits them as well, you know, because it keeps you motivated. But they they are they are dynamic. create a lot of problems for you on the floor on both sides of the ball. Is Billy Donovan bucking the trend of high-profile college coach not making it in the NBA uh, because he's a good coach, uh, or should I say a great coach, uh, or is it because he has Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant? <laughs> I think that's part of it. I, I will also say that the guys coming into the league now are making better choices. And, and what they realize, I think sometimes you can start to, drink the Kool-Aid and believing it's more about you than the talent. Uh, but mm-hmm. the one thing that at the professional level that you learn is that I don't care how great a coach you are, you better have talent or you're not going to win. You can have all the great concepts and schemes you want and motivational speeches and the ability to connect, but ultimately you've got to have talent out on the floor and you've got to have basketball players. And I think he's got to – don't forget, but Brad Stevens, who I think is – one of the five best coaches in the NBA. He's also done a hell of a job with Boston. Uh, yeah. I think you're starting to see these guys. It's kind of like, you remember way back in the day when kids first started coming out of high school and how, you know, there was a stretch where those kids were ill-equipped to deal with it. Oh, absolutely. But then eventually, you know, but the, the younger generations kind of learned from those who didn't make it. And those kids now that are coming into the league, are little, not always, but the, the, the kids who most – but like those gun act players, they're more, I think, ready to succeed. I think the same scenarios kind of help with, happen with these coaches. The coaches now, they're not taking the bad job. Remember a couple of years ago when Billy Donovan had that chance to go to Orlando? And he didn't yeah, take he it. Was a, yeah, you he know, took it remember and, that, that, and then that, walked away. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah, and that was in part, you know, look, maybe timing had something to do with it, but that team wasn't ready necessarily to contend and compete. Whereas in this situation he comes into, he's already coming into a great situation that just needs some tweaking, you know, and and he's been able to just make the subtle adjustments and moves uh, to kind of help elevate this team. And that's, that's it's been impressive to see. Scott Brooks did a great job prior, but he's just taken it to another level, much like we saw with Steve Kerr and replacing Mark Jackson, just making some tweaks along the way and then that group kind of taking off. And I think, you know, you're seeing a similar effect with Billy and the Thunder. 
Good stuff. Hey, Greg Anthony from the NBA on TNT with us. Greg, one last question before I let you go. It can be a quick answer. Or it's up to you. Um, if, if I told you you have to cover one team the rest of the way, embedded with one team the rest of the way, um, I'll give you all the choices you want except Golden State. So who do you pick the rest of the way? <laughs> oh, man, that's a ew, what a tough question. Um, you know, there's a couple ways to go. I, I, I think it's relevant to this season. Um, OKC Cleveland are, are two that are just – Intriguing from a nostalgic standpoint, it might be the Lakers with Kobe Bryant on his last hurrah. And I, I mean, hmm. just because of you know who he is as a player, what he's done over the course of his career, uh, you know, he's a rock star. And, and so that that journey that he's going through that would be kind of interesting as well. You know, all the last times he's going to visit the, the camaraderie, the respect that the peers have shown. Uh, you, you know that that would be fun. It'd be tough. I'd have to hold my nose a lot with all the losing, but <laughs> that part would be interesting to see as he uh, takes that last hurrah and rides off into the sunset. I think you handled the question pretty well. I mean, you didn't just name one, but you didn't. You know, you also didn't. You know, run no, away I from couldn't. either. I, I like couldn't. that. I had to give you the political answer. You know. But it does give me some insight on what you think is intriguing the rest of the way. So I appreciate that. Uh, Greg, as always, thanks again. And uh, I hope you have a lot of fun tonight uh, in New Orleans calling the game with C. Webb and Kevin Harlan on TNT. All right. I appreciate it. You have a good day. You too. There he goes. Greg Anthony with us from the NBA on TNT and NBA TV. All right. Quick break. We'll be back in just a moment. You owe it to yourself and your home to call Terminex. I'm Vincent Palumbo. Whether you need a lifetime termite damage guarantee or hassle-free pest control service, we do it all. And I'm Ed Martin, Terminix entomologist. We have developed a convenient pest control system where we're scheduled in your home only twice a year. We attack bugs outside where they live. Call 834-7330 for guaranteed control of any pests or termites. Terminix does it all. How much do you want to lose this year? 5, 10, 15 pounds? It's time to set your goal and go for it with the Smoothie King Change a Meal Challenge. Just change one meal a day with one of 20 delicious meal replacement smoothies, all under 400 calories per 20-ounce serving, and see how much you can lose. With flavors like pineapple mango, almond mocha, and more, it's easier than ever to reach for your goals. Take the Change a Meal Challenge, only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Weight loss is based on a low-calorie diet and exercise program. Consult your physician before beginning any diet program. Want each show delivered right to your iPhone or iPad? Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching Black and Blue Report. Well, the main goal of our podcast each and every day is to have great conversations with folks uh, relating to the Saints and the New Orleans Pelicans. I thought we accomplished that today. Thanks again to Greg Anthony from TNT and Nick Underhill from The Advocate and the New Orleans Advocate. We'll continue with some great conversations tomorrow as we wrap up this week's Black and Blue Report podcast. We've got David Aldridge, who's now a Hall of Famer and certainly one of the, the great voices and writers of the NBA nationally. We, uh, we were able to visit with him earlier this week in Washington, D.C., and we'll share that with you on tomorrow's show. We'll also bring John DeShazer back from NewOrleansSaints.com and uh, his ongoing coverage in Indy at the NFL Scouting Combine. And perhaps, hopefully, we'll be talking about a Pelicans win as well as they take on the Thunder. That's tonight at 7 at Smoothie King Center. Uh, we've got coverage starting at 6 Central tonight 
uh, on the flagship station in New Orleans. Uh, that's 99.5 WRNO-FM. For those of you in the metro area, you'll get the Alvin Gentry Show from 6 to 6.30. And then Pelicans warm up with Daniel Salerson from 6.30 to 7. And then coverage across the entire network uh, starting at 7, 7 p.m. We're anticipating an exact tip-off time of 7.15 uh, at Smoothie King Center. So, thanks again to all of you for being a part of our Thursday. We look forward to uh, seeing you tonight on the radio and then back at it tomorrow on another edition of the Black and Blue Report. I'm Sean Kelly. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.